fourth chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you don't know where it is, find Psalms or Proverbs and take a quick write. Verses 7 through 16. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though on his own kingdom he had been poor, in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. Reading God's word. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. um, Thank you guys for praying. It was very moving to hear be reminded of all the things that have happened in this building. And like Amanda, I was thinking about some of the baptisms and marriages, and we mark time, right, by sometimes where we live. Physical places help us to mark time. I think back, some of you will remember the first winter we were here, there was no heat in the building, (laughs) which was a bit of a challenge in the winter here. And so they brought in propane heaters, like these huge turbine engines that blew moist hot air from the hallways, two hallways down here. We were sort of rainforest EPC. <laughs> there was, it was, we'd sweat just by, and you know, just this humid moist. It was like being in one of those gardens of butterfly gardens or something that you walk into. And, um, And I remember when we went from sort of prison bars that they used to have on these windows to these beautiful windows, and when the when the light came in, what a joy it was. And um, just marking that, I remember the week that we walked in and the ladies' room was gone. We used to go to the ladies' room through that portal there, and it was gone one Sunday. We're like, where'd the women's room go? It was like testing the bladders of the women in the church. (laughs) And we had to snake our way through the building to find the women's room. And you know. All these things remind me of what we've been studying in Ecclesiastes, which is, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, this is past. We found our way to the women's room. (laughs) We we dusted ourselves off and we took showers after sweaty Sundays, and we moved on because what's going to last? If you know Jesus, you were born the last. What you do was born to endure. If you don't, If you don't have that enduring power of God in your life, everything you do, so says the preacher of Ecclesiastes, is ultimately meaningless. It may not feel meaningless in the moment, but ultimately you think, what what am I doing? What's going to last? That's the point of this book is it won't accept what you do in the Lord, that it says the Word of God 
lasts forever. What the Lord does, it taught us in chapter 2 and 3, what the Lord does endures forever, and you and I get the privilege of partnering with God in enduring things. This morning, as we look at Ecclesiastes 4, he reminds us of three kinds of people, and it so dovetails with what we were praying about. And I didn't intend that. It just, as you all know, I'm going through the Scripture. I'm just going through Ecclesiastes. This just happens to be where we are. But it dovetails so perfectly with some of your prayers this morning as we reviewed the last five years here because he talks about three sorts of people that aren't really going to last you'll look at Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, uh, I mean 4, verse 4. This is just before Sarah started to read, but I want to pick up a few verses prior to what she began to read. So this is Ecclesiastes 4, 4. I saw that all toil and all skill in work comes from a man's envy of his neighbor. Kind of depressing thought. <laughs> that this skill, that this... Um, this, what we do, that the toil is envy. And what he's counseling us is that it's a losing proposition to live in a place where your life is comparing how you're doing to someone else. But that's, that's our world. Our world is it's not just doing well, it's are you doing better than. This too, he says, is that word we've become familiar with in Ecclesiastes, hebel translated vanity or, or futility, but it means mist, it means smoke, it means it's gone, is that, because here's the thing, is that, you know, Benjamin will sometimes ask you, well, am I the best player on my team, or am I the be- am I better than there? How would you rank me? Would I have been a first draft pick or a fourth? Or would I better? I said, well, are you, are you Michael Jordan or LeBron James? No? Well, then somebody's better than you are. And I guarantee you somebody somewhere is worse than you are. And he's actually a very good player. But you're always somewhere in there. And in everything we do in life, whether it's your parenting skills, whether it's your work, whether it's your spouse stuff, there's always going to be always just stuff. It's always just this continuum that we're on. And so the point of this is, Our life, if we spend time thinking about how am I doing compared to somewhere else, it's mist, it's smoke, it's gone. So don't waste your time. We spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about what other people think of us that really doesn't matter. Do you know what Jesus thinks of you? He thinks you're incredible. His default position towards you is as the most loving parent possible. And if you can be rest secure in that and be assured of that, we'll do better because that's enduring. Second person that we find out is going to be gone, mistwise, besides the unhealthy competitor, is the slacker. We all know the slacker, right? Verse 5. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Ooh, that's metaphor, not, not literal. He folds his hands, you know. The fool, it says, just sits there and thinks about, oh, well, whatever. Needs his own flesh means he doesn't go outside to try to work. He just ruins himself. He consumes himself in the sense of just under ruin. And let me just say this real briefly, is that it's not up to me to dictate how anyone else spends their time, but please don't waste your life doing meaningless things. 
I, I'm not saying there's no time to veg. I understand that. But sometimes that's an excuse not to engage in internal and enduring things. This world has created such mist that is so attractive to us. I can remember when the game, dating myself now, but Nancy and I were, had no children and the game Civilization had just come out. It was one of these build your own city games if you got to be really old or really geeky to remember it like we do. And, you know, my wife, who's one of the most focused people I know and, and uh, you know, just lives for eternity, we were, I, she was like, you know, honey, um, you spend an awful lot of time on that game. And this is before, I mean, this is not nearly as attractive as these games are now, but I mean, this was, but you know, I'd be hours just like, I was a youth pastor, so I was like doing great stuff, but I, I mean, she's like, you know, honey, you're wasting time. I know, I know, it's just so hard. It's 2 or 3 a.m. one morning I wake up and she's not in bed. And I go in, and she's in her office, like, she's like, I'm building a city, shh. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's got you too. <laughs> I know it was fun, and I don't regret it, it's not that. But if we spend our, we, the world wants to suck you into meaningless stuff. And it's not just our phones, though they are the portal of death. But, <laughs> but it is true, guys. If we don't take control and begin to say, Lord, my life is going to count for things, that they become so attractive to us and they're hebbled, they're mist, they're dust. Be careful. I'm not, I'm not, no condemnation. I play games. I'm not condemning anyone. Be careful not to waste time that God has pre-done for you to walk in good, enduring things, right? We are His workmanship, created by His craftsmanship, the book of Ephesians tells us, created for good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So walk in those good works. Third person that God says is Hebel, unhealthy competitor, slacker. And this is the person who is becomes a loner by chasing the wind. So again, this is kind of where Sarah started to read in verse 7. I saw vanity under the sun. That's that word hebel again. One person who has no other. Neither son nor brother. There's no end to his toil. His eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. Read an article, you may have seen this two weeks ago, Elon Musk got a few dollars to his name. He runs two multi-billion dollar corporations. Gave an interview and he said he's been pushing himself with the pressure of this. And again, I'm, I'm not being particularly critical. I don't know the man and I, it's not that I'm critical of him in per se. I think it's just endemic in our culture. And he's someone that many people would admire for Tesla and SpaceX, the companies he runs. He says, I now have to work 120 hours to accomplish my goals. I work 17-hour days, seven days a week. I pause only to sleep. Even then, I can't do that right now without medication. It's come at the expense of my seeing my children and seeing my friends, but there's so much to do. Again, I'm not particularly critical of him. I'm critical of my heart that says, oh, Lord, there's a need out there. There's someone who doesn't know Jesus. I'm a pastor. How can I rest? Guys, you aren't God and neither am I. 
And He has ways and He partner, He asks you to partner in enduring things, not in exhausting things. You have needs to meet, but every need isn't yours to meet. And so it is the slacker and the loner, see, when you do that and you think it's got to be me or nobody, you'll cut yourself off from meaningful relationships. This famous passage that's read often at weddings but isn't really anything to do with marriage in context, it says this, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. Verse 9 of chapter 4, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Again, you hear this in context of marriage, and marriage, it's a great example of a, of a relationship that can be strengthening. This has nothing to do with marriage. It's about human relationships. This is talking about people who are alone. Remember the context where we came from is that someone who's alone, who works so hard that they cut themselves off from relationship is a fool, the Bible says. And so, uh, I need a, I, this is, I mean, this is the example it gives us, so I need someone, some strong, studly guy here. Uh, where's a strong, studly guy? Where are we, a bunch of wimps here? Come on now. All right, Eric, there you go. There you go. I, I like a man. I like a man who knows. So just, all right, so here it is. So this this is, I just want you to just do your best. Just pull that pull that baby up. Let, let me see. Pull that baby apart. I mean, pull hard. Oh, my gosh, that was easy, right? That's you. That's you, man. That's you doing it on your own. Ouch. That's how. Some of you all are coming apart at the seams. I'm just telling you. You're not done. Dude, you are not done. That's That's half the scripture, brother. Some of y'all are coming apart at the seams, and you're getting pulled apart, and you think, why? I don't know. My life's falling apart. Why am I just falling apart? Who are you entangling yourself with that is strengthening you? Are you putting yourself alone or weak? Are you being isolated? Remember, it's the the, uh, zebra that's not with the herd who gets taken, right? All right. Let's say two. Do it. Lift it up here. You're strong. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, two, oh, two. Two's better. It's a little harder. If you aren't, if you aren't functioning with a group of believers, if you aren't, and I don't mean just, oh, I come to church on Sundays. You, this could be like watching a movie. You, we're, we're all just staring together. Nobody, some of y'all are here dying inside. Some of you are really in pain, but nobody else here knows it. And your spouse is not enough. Listen to me, your spouse is not enough, because sometimes the problem is with your spouse. And if you think, well, I sure think of my spouse, not about your spouse, you don't. You need other people, and not just one. One good friend is good, but you need to have a group of believers with whom you are sharing with. Okay? If you don't, Brian, stand up. If you don't, you talk to Brian Pinzer, and you find... What, well, how can I get in touch with? All right, so now we have a threefold cord. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna oh, so let's do it now. I got six more of these, brother. So, oh, that's hard. Okay, we got six more. Come on now. It's not enough. And let me just say finally this: the Lord God isn't wrapped up in your life. It doesn't matter how many humans you have in your life. Now we're gonna do it 
because I added the special chord. I added the Jesus chord into this. All right? You better not break this, dude. <laughs> I know. You couldn't break it, believe me. Try again. Any of y'all come up after this and try to break it. Thank you, Eric. You were great. You get the point, right? I didn't make up that analogy. It's from the Scripture. But think about it, please. It is an epidemic in our culture of isolation and disconnection. It is the norm. Yes, guys, I'm talking to us more than the women, but it's for both. It is an epidemic. It is the nature of our culture to be isolated. Okay, Some of y'all aren't. Some of y'all are great models here of connected people who have people. How do I know if I'm isolated? Do you have anybody that you could just speed dial and share your truth that when you are really going through it? Your spouse, I'm glad if you can share with your spouse that too, but do you have anybody else that you could share with? Do you have somebody that you can pray with out loud? Or are you too embarrassed to pray with anyone because you feel you, that's too vulnerable? We know what to do, right? Those of you who do it, you're in healthier place. Help teach those of us who don't know how to do it. We want to learn from you. This is what the Scripture teaches. Just listen as we close. Two are better than one. They have a good reward. That word there is a comparative. It means you will be more productive. A good reward is greater productivity. They will accomplish more than twice as much. They get a better return for their labor. Most of us invest to get better returns, right? How many of y'all invest to get worse returns? But a lot of you live so isolated, you're getting a worse return on the most important thing in your life, which is your time. For if one they fall, one will lift up his fellow. We're watching brothers and sisters fall. I watch them. I get the, it's not a privilege, it's a pain. To, it's deep pain to watch people fall away from their faith. And most always it is because they have isolated themselves from truly sharing what's going on in the dark recesses of our heart. Heart is not a good guide, guys. It's desperately wicked. What we need to share is when we share our heart is to let the Word of God speak to our hearts and let the Word of God enlighten, heal, and strengthen us and then bind us together with other believers. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And brothers and sisters, on a cold, cold night deep in the mountains, you won't care what that other body looks like or smells like you will be willing to lie next to them rather than freeze to death. And we live in a cold, dark world that hates Jesus and hates us. And I want to be willing metaphorically to lie down and keep warm because my faith will get cold if I'm not together with you guys. Whether it's in public schools, whether it's in homes, whether it's in workplaces, whether it's here or just out in the community, we need each other. That's why I was so blessed by the prayers today because it spoke to me that this building, Hebel, it's missed. It's going away. Eventually, this building won't be standing in 100 or 200 or 300 years. Neither will the building we're going to or the building we're about to build. They won't be. But our relationships eternally, right, with Christ, we're brothers and sisters together with a family eternally. 
Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, in other words, a bad person may prevail against you, whether it's the enemy, your sin, your flesh, or just circumstances, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Come, try to break the cord. And if you do, don't tell me about it. All right, let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are God. Your word is enduring. Lord, our desire is to build your kingdom not build our own. Lord, in our homes and in our hearts, in our church, in our community, we want to build things that last, built on the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, help us to cling to Your Word that is enduring, to cling to You who live forever, and to nurture relationships that will last. So, Lord, we set our hearts toward You, we set our affections toward You, and we give You all the good things back that You've given to us, we turn into praise. And all the pain and the trial, Lord, we submit to Your loving and guiding hand because You've never given us, Lord, anything but good, even if it comes packaged in challenges and difficulties. So we accept from You, God, every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights from whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Spend just a minute talking to the Lord, particularly about relationships. And if you know you're more isolated than you need to be, would you talk to the Lord and offer up and submit to Him that you'd like that to change and ask His help to do so?